This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Always is Dane. Dane, how's it going? It's going good, Tim. Uh, missed the week uh, because you had your three uh, eleven celebration, and uh, you got busy and everything. And um, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing your three eleven day review, starting from when you left your house. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I mean. We're going to be on the subject of music. Obviously, we talk about 311 Day, but it, the last two weeks have been the highest of highs regarding music. And just today and yesterday, the lowest of lows, because I feel we just oh, like yeah. mentioned the passing of Taylor Hawkins, the drummer of the Foo Fighters, just last night as we're recording this episode. And yeah, still, I was in a state of shock finding that out. I'm still bummed about it right now. It's not even being 24 hours after I learned the news, but. Obviously, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. I made no secret of that on this podcast. And there are the only band where I can say I've been a fan of theirs from the very beginning of where they formed, just finding out that Dave Grohl was recording these demo tapes and it was going to be released. And just because I can't say that about any other band. With 311, I became a fan of theirs with their third album, Weezer, not too long. Uh, a little bit after the first album came out, like a year after. So Foo Fighters is the only band. I was a fan of from the very, very beginning and just following uh, everything about the band. And when Taylor joined the group two years later and just what a perfect fit he was, because you could always tell that the first drummer they had, William Goldsmith, um, just wasn't the right fit. And then when Taylor, when he left and Taylor came on, it, Taylor just fit in like a glove and just you could just see the bond that him and Dave Grohl had from the beginning and how it lasted for 25 years and it's just such a gut punch to learn of his passing and it's just this really really sucks and you just feel for everyone who knew him obviously his family his bandmates but in particular dave kroll because like i said you just know how close they were and just last night i was revisiting the some chapters from dave kroll's book that came out late last year the storyteller um and just really saying just what a brother Taylor was to him and the final chapter of that book. And man, it just, it just really hits you knowing that he's no longer here and just, it's just really, really sad. And, and 
you just can't help but think too, just from a fan perspective. I mean, this isn't probably the last thing on the Foo Fighters' minds right now, but as fans, I just can't help but think, is this actually the end of the Foo Fighters too? Because personally, I cannot see the band continuing on without him. He's just that such an integral part of it and was just like a face of that group as much as Dave Grohl was. So for them to continue on without him, it just seems impossible right now. So we'll see what happens. But part of me, what makes it so hard too, is that I think this could be the end of the Foo Fighters, which, like I said, one of my all-time favorite bands, so, which is just another layer of what makes this news really, really tough. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to pay, give a little tribute to Taylor. He was an amazing drummer and just uh, a great person from all accounts that people who knew him and who are talk about him. You just see the outpouring of love that just like the music community is showing for him, for everyone that knew him too, and just such a great personality. Just seeing him in interviews uh, with him and Dave, they just they're just really funny and and just the appreciation he had for rock music too was just on full display he just knew that he loved music and was thankful for the opportunity he had to be the drummer of the Foo Fighters and just getting to play with some of his uh idols in rock and roll (laughs) with the success of the Foo Fighters that enabled him to do that he just really knew the appreciation he had for all that so yeah it will be missed um sorry to start the episode off on a bummer note but uh Definitely just wanted to pay tribute and my respects for the loss of Taylor Hawkins, but uh, we'll try to keep things on a more positive beat as we got, excuse me, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about on this episode. So, but I was definitely sad to hear about that yesterday. Is that Foo Fighters movie still coming out? That, that horror comedy? It actually came out a few weeks ago. I, oh, actually at the end of February, I think. I haven't seen it just yet, but um, yeah. yeah, it just came out a few weeks ago. Uh, I see. Well, it's, yeah, it's sad. He, he he was young. What was he like? Fifty? Yeah, just fifty. Yeah. Uh, that sucks too. I feel yeah. I feel bad for all food fighter, uh, food fighters fans. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough go for the foreseeable future for all fans of the group, but we shall see. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, so that was kind of the low point of being a music fan. This just last night so but two weeks ago i was on an extreme high <laughs> being able to go to 311 day 2022 and it was awesome because it was exactly 10 years since i went to my first 311 day back in 2012 and this was my first time going to another 311 day so i was just excited about that and yeah making that drive from california to vegas it was about three and a half hour drive but i had my 311 playlist blasting I create like a best of list for all my favorite bands where I just put us every song off like seven songs off of every album or not seven songs, but almost like seven rounds of <laughs> my favorite songs from the bands from every album that they have. So it was a pretty long playlist for 311 who has 13 albums plus B-sides where um, it lasted me both going and coming home from Vegas <laughs> that long playlist. So the drive there was nice and smooth. And just getting hyped for the show, listening to 311 cons- or 311 music, then knowing that I'm going to see them later that night was so much fun. So I stayed at the MGM Park, which um, was my first time there because last time I sat at the MGM Grand, I guess, which is their main hotel. But this one, a little bit of smaller venue, but the venue was awesome. <laughs> it was 
anyone who has been to the Universal Amphitheater, it's not there anymore. But it was a great venue for being not a super large arena, but big enough to hold a, a good sized crowd, but feeling like you don't have a bad seat, you know, even if you're on the very top section. And this is what the venue at the park theater was like. And I had better seats than I was expecting, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, when I got it, I thought, okay, these are pretty good, kind of like middle section, but I wasn't too far from the ground level. And it was just a great, a great spot. The only thing that could have been better if I was more in the center, but still, that's, that's a small little complaint I had. <laughs> if I would have got tickets earlier, maybe I would have gotten center seat, but still, I was more than happy with um, the seats that I had there. So I got to Vegas like at around, oh, here's the funny part, Dave. Right when I exited the freeway to get on the Vegas Strip, right when I got off and I was waiting on the traffic light, take a wild guess what the time was when I arrived to Vegas. Was it uh, 3.10? Or nope. no, sorry, 3, 3.12. Nope, even better. It was exactly 3.11 on the dot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. It was like, it could have worked out be. any better than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first thing I did when I got there was check out the merch uh, section in the hotel because they had an awesome shirt at the, at the store. They had a uh, thing before 3.11 day even happened, like maybe a week or two before, where you can pre-order some of the merchandise that was going to be there. So they had this awesome design of the font and logo for The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, the Super Nintendo game. But it says 311 uh, as the main logo down on the bottom, 311 day, March uh, 11th and 12th, 2022, with the exact font as that Legend of Zelda logo. It was just such a cool design. And then instead of a sword, you have like the neck and head of a guitar <laughs> going into the logo. It was just really cool. Uh, I had pictures of it on my social media accounts. I just like when I saw that that shirt, I have to get when I go there. So <laughs> that was the first stop I went because I was afraid they'd sell out pretty quickly because some of the merch does tend to sell out fast on 311 day. So I got there. They had some, but they didn't have it in large, which is the size I usually get. But I saw the medium I was like, this looks like it could still fit and it still fits me fine. So <laughs> I just went with the medium, but it's an awesome shirt. So I that was my first stop and I uh, was thankful I was able to get that shirt. And then honestly, just as of the Vegas trip, I really didn't do much. I just sat in my hotel, watched stuff uh, <laughs> while I waited for the concert. I went, they had like on Saturday, they had a, a like a poster uh, display, like museum type thing where some of the artists who drew uh, posters for their concerts in the past had some you can purchase and take a look at. It was almost like a gallery. And I wanted to see if they still had one that was like a couple of years ago where Another cool video game uh, design they did was, if you remember the old or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game for the first Nintendo Entertainment System, it's where the turtles are busting out of a brick wall on their skateboards. 311 had a poster for one of their shows that was them in that same style, busting out of a wall, the members on the skateboard and the Ninja Turtles font saying 311. It's like, I wanted to get that poster, but it was at a concert that was out of state. So I figured, oh, they might have it here. Unfortunately, they didn't. They might have been all gone by the time I got there, but it was still cool to see some of the other poster art on display there. So, like, that was really the only other activity I did besides going to the concert. I just hung out in my hotel <laughs> and just watched stuff on my iPad. So, um, but the concerts were amazing. They blew me away. That first night uh, was awesome. Probably one of the best 311 shows I've been to. It sounded great in the set list was incredible i've 
that was my 16th 311 show and i could honestly say that set list um because they break it up they have one because it's an extended set list so they have one they take a break then they come back to close out the night with a second one that second set list was one of my favorites i've ever had the pleasure of experiencing at a live 311 concert there's, there's a string of songs that they played all in a row that was just a great mix of songs they rarely play live that i love hearing and songs that i never heard live before that i've been dying to hear which sounded great Plus my all-time favorite 311 song, the song called Uncalm, which I've only heard once before live, which was at the first 311 day I went to in 2012. So to hear it again was awesome. But then in the mix of that, they threw in this great surprise of doing a cover of John Lennon's Imagine, and it sounded amazing. Like, I actually got chills hearing it because they just made it their own, but you still knew it was Imagine by the melody, of course, and the lyrics. But it was definitely 311's version of Imagine, and it sounded great. That was just such an awesome surprise. So that's one of the things you hope to experience out of 311 days. Some surprises like that that you wouldn't expect to hear. They just blow you away. So that first night was just incredible. So, so much fun. And then the second Dave, night set. I'm sorry, uh, Dave, go Tim, ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt your, you, you going off about <laughs> this uh, 311 day experience. But uh, I have to ask, in between... You know the two days did they play did they play come original the only oh. 311 song i know of course yeah <laughs> i believe that was on okay. night one on the first set so, oh. I guess. <laughs> oh, so so they got it out of the way on <laughs> night one they do one. they do still play their hits on 311 day there's like there's a part of me that feels maybe they shouldn't play like the biggest hits that they do every single concert like amber that's just a 311 staple i know they have to because it's probably their biggest hit and the crowd still it's funny it's a mix of crowds that still love it because when you hear that opening guitar riff for amber this that's like the biggest cheer it gets but then the real hardcore 311 fans who go to tons of shows and hear it every time that's where they kind of go for their bathroom break or go for a beer because <laughs> we've all heard it so many times oh uh, you gatekeepers you guys are gatekeepers <laughs> no, it's all good for the fans who are experiencing that song for the first time but you know, for those who've seen 311 yeah. like a hundred times, they, they kind of know when to get a drink or take a bathroom break. <laughs> well, I mean, plus two, like, uh, you, you know, you have a band like 311 and they have like, I don't know, big hits like Come Original and Love Song and uh, Amber. Mm-hmm. I, I I wonder if it's a hard decision for them to like, do, do we play it uh, on the first night or do we play it? on the, yeah. the final <laughs> set of the final night, you know, uh, like, I wonder how like they, they uh, make their set list, you know, like do, do we put the, hit, the hits in the beginning or do we put it at the end or do we, right. do, do we sprinkle them in? <laughs> like, you know? It's really more of a sprinkle where like, it's kind of mixed throughout the set list for both nights. You hear like maybe uh, two for each set, something like that. Uh, I see, and 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 then when they play like that one song that is like a deep cut that's on like a a Japanese import or something, <laughs> it's only available on the Japanese import. That's when the true three eleven fans, the hardcore three eleven fans, go crazy. Yep, exactly. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> see. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, the second night, what stood out to me about that one was just how heavy that first set list was it's like just doing a lot of their heavy songs and the sound mix was great it's just like they blew the roof off the place that second night one song in particular which is a rare one that they do it's off 
not even one of their main albums. It was off one of their early EPs. It's a song called Today My Love. And it's the, during the chorus, it has heavy distortion guitars on it. But I wouldn't consider it one of their heaviest songs. But for whatever reason, I think the guitars on that one were turned up to 11 because no other song throughout both nights sounded as heavy as the chorus of that did. And I was just eating all that up. It just sounded amazing. The performance of that song was probably my highlight of both nights. It just sounded incredible. The only downside was that for that song and one other one, there was this light that was going on, <laughs> shining through the crowd. And it would kind of blind me for a few <laughs> seconds throughout the course of the song where I'd have to close my eyes and look away. So I couldn't see the band for like certain portions of it. But still, <laughs> as long as I could hear it, that was the most important thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and um, you, you you do bring up a you, you do bring up a good point of like sound because like I don't know how many concerts I've been to where it's like you know you're sort of excited to see the band and the band comes out and they don't sound good. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's one that's of always the disappointing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I've like, been oh, through that. I'm that's seeing for sure. them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing them, uh, but. Uh, if the sound isn't very good. And the it, the uh, worst part of that is if the sound isn't good, and then you can hear like the crowd singing more than the band, that just ruins the whole oh, experience. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Yeah. So, yeah, the great set list both nights. I would probably say my favorite was probably the first one. The first night, there was just the energy that night, and just, like I said, that, stream of, that string of songs they did over the course of that first night was just really, really... I think special it'll be if you're a diehard 311 fan it was a special night to be a part of to see it live so it was an awesome time i so glad i went this year um hopefully they go back to vegas in 2024 uh because i would love to experience it again and just kind of get to go to as many 311 days as i can which is would be awesome so i had an amazing time it was just fun to kind of do something different <laughs> for me because you know i don't travel a whole lot only when there's something I kind of want to experience and 311 being in 311 day being in Vegas was something I wanted to experience, especially, like I said earlier, it being 10 years since I got to go to my first 311 days. So yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. I'm actually still on a buzz from it. So, (laughs) so that's still sticking with me two weeks later. Yeah. You, uh, you make me sound like a loser, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't go to any concert in there. In the time that uh, between episodes, sorry, Tim. Uh, us being in complete sync with each other is not on this episode. I was hoping you got to experience something of a concert, so <laughs> we could say we both <laughs> went to concerts on this episode, but not meant to be. Uh, I guess. Um, yeah, I just stayed home. I uh, I got caught up on uh, the TMNT comic. Nice. Uh, that's about it. that sounds like a good time to me so (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. so you're all caught up with the punk frogs then showing up right yeah okay yeah i'm all caught up yeah it's it's just just watching uh uh the youtube channel uh the the old turtle den yeah Uh, it makes me really really curious about what what the next big move that they're gonna do that's sophie campbell and yeah Tom Waltz are gonna are gonna be doing you know uh, with the introduction of Venus right um, like those teaser images and, are showing look really cool <laughs> yeah I know like uh, I really like her shell 
yep. with that big jewel thing in the back in the back of it. And like how that's connecting to like that doctor that we see in um uh I think the most recent um recent issue. Yeah, because I know um, one just came out this Wednesday or last Wednesday. I haven't read it yet. my plan is to do that probably this weekend. But so I guess I'm not yeah. fully caught up, but I still have to read the most recent issue. Uh, I th- I think the one you're talking about got delayed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, like you know, what's the next big move gonna be? There was that image of the new turtles uh, with the reversed headband, I guess yeah. you could say, you know, or the face mask, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, and um, this apocalypse storyline, and what does it mean after after Eastman and Laird? Is it after the last Ronin? Yeah. Is it? Is that when it's going to come out? I don't. Or? See, I, well, obviously, it's, you mean like timelines, like timeline wise of the turtles, or just comic no, no, releases? like yeah, comic releases. Okay. Like, is it going to come out after that? Because I think so, because they just announced yeah. uh, the final issue of Last Ronin is coming out in April, like middle of April. Oh, okay. Oh, well, at least it's not december 2025 right. <laughs> one prediction i'm glad you're wrong on dean <laughs> yeah uh but yeah like, like, like what's it what does that mean after eastman and laird is it going to be a continuation of uh, no no it's, it's not going to be a continuation of the the or connect to the the eastman and laird uh comic mirage comic so I, I, i'm pretty sure that uh Sophie Campbell said that it wasn't connected to that in mm, in okay. any way. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just wondering. Uh, I'm so glad I got caught up. And, um, yeah, I'm just wondering how everything's going to play out. Because I don't know if you read the issue with the punk frogs where they're, like, uh, they're going after Don- Donnie. Mm. And they're like, um, y- you stole something from us. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, how does that connect? to i mean it, are, are they misinterpreting donnie with with venus or yeah that's kind of what i'm guessing <laughs> as yeah. of right now at least when venus got revealed that she's coming into um yeah because they made a point where it's like that turtle had something in a shell like some mechanical like device or Thing. like something yeah. was altered on their shell and we know with the design we saw for Venus, that it might be linked to, to like they might think that's ends up being her. So yeah, I'm just, just yeah. as intrigued as you are with that. And I'm kind of glad that I'm really excited for the stories and teasers are showing because at this point I kind of felt the whole uh, mutant town storyline has kind of run its course where it's kind of it's time to shake things up and have like a new big thing happen. Um, as much as yeah. I enjoyed the mutant town stuff, it has. I think it did its job of kind of being a palate cleanser for all the big stuff that's happened in the first 100 issues, but um, I'm kind of ready for like the next big story arc to happen, like the next big threat to uh, come down on the turtles in a on a bigger scale, I guess you could say. Yeah, and like that that's exactly what I like about this comic is that it's yeah, it's the Ninja Turtles, but um, all they essentially did was have a town meeting and um and elected a mayor yeah sort of <laughs> and like that, that that's that's what i like about the, the ninja turtles comic is that like they're, they're they're the namesake of the comic but they're 
sort of like a background character. Yeah, they really um, are. It's, it's it's more like more of a Sally Pride slash Mona Lisa slash April slash mm-hmm. um I don't know cry uh, story, and that's what I really appreciate about hob, it. But, yeah, but, like the fight for yeah, control. For yeah, hob <laughs> too, yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the turtles in a sense are like the background characters. They so really are, yeah. Players. Yeah, and, and that's what I truly enjoy about uh, the, the Ninja Turtles comic. That's that's one thing. That's one of the reasons why I keep coming back because they're not saving the universe every single story arc. You know, they're not saving the entire city in every single story arc. And I mean, they do, but you know, it, it if you keep on doing that, you know, story arc after story arc after story arc, then. You know, something like City of War loses its, you know, its uniqueness, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been really enjoying uh, the storyline. But, yeah, like you said, it's time for it to end. And, you know, let's uh, let's move on to the next big thing, which is Venus and uh, the Apocalypse storyline, whatever they're calling it. And, of course, the last Ronin. I mean, I, I want that comic so bad. I know. It's, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Like I said, the wait's not too yeah. long now. And we're talking about, obviously, the this current arc on the Mutant Town. But my favorite issue might just be, I believe it was like one that came out during Christmas or like start of the new year. It's just one of those comic issues where there was no dialogue. It was just art where yeah. everybody, the turtles, and everyone was looking for uh, the weasels. That kind of went back to Old Hob. And they're just yeah, kind of out looking yeah. for him. And you just kind of saw the, like, the different relationships the Turtles have with the different characters. No dialogue spoken, but you just saw just how close all of them are <laughs> as, like, kind of separate. And that was a group, too. That was just a really cool issue. I, I, can't, I, I can't believe that Old Hob is still, still going around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's one, of, he's one of my favorite new characters introduced in the story or he becomes one because his first time he's appears in the very first issue obviously he's a villain you don't really like him but man as soon as we got that micro series issue telling about his origin that's where i really started feeling bad for the character i just could kind of not necessarily justify what he does but could be a little more sympathetic towards him and you can still see there's like a sense of goodness in him deep down where he yeah. does kind of want the best for mutants but he just goes about it in a totally wrong way so I, he's a character i just really come to appreciate more and more as the series has gone on yeah he's he's a sympathetic villain i mean you can't really disagree with the guy you know um when it comes to the the, the mutant rights sort of thing that he's, mm. he's he's going i mean he's um he's talking about um but again, it's about how he's doing it. That's you know, yeah, it's a problem. Um, so yeah, I've just been I'm finally caught up. I'm ready for this next storyline and uh, Venus and the Last Ronin. And I've just been, I've just been in Turtle Turtle City. I guess you say. <laughs> I've I rewatched uh, the the three movies uh the three original movies you know, the third one wow because that's been it's yeah. actually been years since i've seen the third one. <laughs> oh, it's so great Tim. it's so great <laughs> oh, oh man you, you have to watch it i, I probably I, should I still think i still think 
the second movie, The Secret of the Ooze, is my favorite. Really? Movie because <laughs> it's it, it's it's like they stopped caring. You know, <laughs> well, it just and got like, it just had to be just, dumbed down for kids more. That's yeah, that's the well, downfall well, of it, in my opinion. Let's just make this bad. I think that's what they thought. <laughs> But yeah. hey, a lot of iconic stuff has come out of that. I mean, Toka and Razor. I mean, <laughs> they're yeah. TMT char- staple characters now. They yeah. had a really cool arc in the Mutant Town story in the IDW comics too. They did something different with them, which was worked really well. Yeah, so. yeah, and also they went back into the future with yeah. uh, Lita at the end. So I'm yeah. wondering how that's going to play out. Like, are we going to see a future storyline with uh, Lita so. and Toka and Razor? <laughs> they're going to you know, be all friends, which is going to be really weird to see, yeah. you know, because <laughs> I mean, especially Toka, because Toka looks like an evil, evil snapping turtle. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, Dan, you sent me a text. I'm curious if you started watching it. You asked me about the 2012 T series, and I'm going to yeah. say that kind of like the same thing I did with IDW comics. It's like something you got to watch. Where <laughs> it's like, I, I told you how it's not only it's probably like it goes back and forth between the idw and the nick turtle series of what is my favorite turtle incarnate incarnations they're different but yet so so good and it's just my third favorite animated series of all time after batman the animated series and clone wars so that should say something right there on how high regard i think of that series so have you started watching yeah. it at all yet uh i hate to let you down tim but no okay. because uh it's not it's not available for streaming anywhere it's not on Hulu anymore. No, they took it off. Because oh, of that's, I know that's where Plus. it was for a bit. Yeah, yeah, they took it off because of Paramount Plus. And... Yeah, it's not even on Paramount Plus though. That's the... yeah, it's not <laughs> on there. That's what's stupid. Yeah, they they only have the rise of the the TMNT and uh, the 2003. Uh, the 2003. Yeah, yeah. The, that had two... that had some really good seasons early on. Those are like pretty much straight adaptions of the original Mirage comics. Which is pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Oh, except Leo doesn't kill. Yeah, well, Shredder. <laughs> minus the killing. They do have a twist with Shredder that I'm not the biggest fan of, but Uh-oh. yeah, it's. I mean, they did something different, but still, the stories they were telling are telling are really good. Yeah, but the 2012 I, I, I'm man, just, it's, yeah, it's amazing because it's a great balance of comedy action and just heartfelt storytelling between the characters like mm-hmm. some of the relationships the characters have is just really really well done probably my favorite splinter and shredder dynamic ever even more so than the idw one which is pretty great but uh the take on those two characters and that series in particular is just so good and yeah there's going to be stuff where you know it's geared towards kids but i still think overall the balance of it telling great storytelling action and still being fun and good for all ages in the early seasons. Anyway, actually, actually gets kind of dark in the later seasons, kind of like how clone wars does kind of as it went on. So by the time you get to season four, it kind of goes into a little more darker places. So, <laughs> but it's just a great, great run. My only disappointment is the final episode where they went as far as what they decided to conclude the story with. I won't say anything, but it wasn't what I expected. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed the, uh, the first season of that show before I got taken down from Hulu. Mm. How um, far did you get on that? Do you remember? Cause I remember you started watching a while ago. If I remember right. Didn't yeah. You? 
Um, trying to remember. I think Karai was in it. Okay. Yeah. Some place. Some place early in season two, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Then I don't know. I stopped watching it. Um, I I really like what they did with the. I don't know what they're called. Uh, it's either the Krang or the Utrams. Mm. Right uh, now they're just referred to like, as the Krang, but they get into Utram stuff later yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, like their speech patterns. Yeah. <laughs> how they talk. The Krang yeah. is after the ones called turtles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know. Is 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 the 2003 series worth getting into? I I definitely say so. Those early seasons, it went on too long. Probably like yeah. after season four is kind of probably where it should have stopped. And there's some filler episodes in there that aren't the best. But if you get into like those ones where they just adapt the Mirage comics, it's pretty awesome. Mm. Let's see, yeah, and I love the I love uh, the designs Rod, too in that series. Yeah, they look really cool. Um, and the rise of the TMNT. Not really. You haven't really watched that one. I did watch that one. That's totally different. It's definitely more a com- of a comedic style. It's kind of almost like yeah. an Animaniacs version <laughs> of the Turtles, it, but yet it still works. I mean, it's totally different. It's more funny, uh, but yet there is still kind of a cool story in there as the series goes on. And they're more like 15-minute uh, shorts, really. Like almost combine two shorts to make one episode, but it's really? still pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks fun, but I don't know. I mean, is it just a kid's show or it's, it's like, definitely oh, out of all of them? Yeah. Out of all of them, it is the one that's more geared towards kids ever since the original series. So I see. Well, they, I don't know. They, they, they got to put the, the 2012 show back. I, know, I can't on believe it's not on there place. yet. Yeah. And the original I, series. They got to have all, I mean, that's your flagship streaming service. You own the rights <laughs> of the turtle. It's one of your big franchises. They put it on there right away. There's got to be something uh, with that that one show, I guess, because or both shows, the original and the yeah. 2012. Because, yeah, I I, I really want to go back to the original and I want to see the 2012 version. So, yeah. Hopefully, be on the show. Let's, let's plan ahead because in September it's going to be the 10 year anniversary of the 2012 series. So yeah. Hopefully you'd be able to see it all by then, and then we could do like a big retrospective discussion to celebrate his ten year anniversary. So, <laughs> yeah. let's plan that far ahead right now. Or maybe but, they're just uh, maybe they're just waiting for the 10, 10 year anniversary mark to put it put it on Paramount Plus. Well, I hope it won't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> and, and before we leave off the subject of Ninja Turtles, I gotta say real quick how awesome it was getting the news of the TMNT Calabunga collection coming for all video game consoles i've been dying for a collection like that for so long and i might even said this on past episodes where we're talking about e3 how i would love it if we just got a collection that that included the original arcade game and turtles in time like just those two i'd be happy but the fact we're getting 13 games in this collection including those two plus their console ports which are different versions plus the tournament fighter games, all three different versions that came out for the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and Genesis. The original Nintendo game, the third Nintendo game, the Mutant, the Manhattan Project, the Genesis game, the Hyperstone Heist, 
the, some Game Boy games, which I've only played one of them. So that collection, it just blew my mind. It just, it's my most anticipated game of the year, without question. Even though it's old games, I've been dying to have those original classic Turtles games in one collection. The fact that we're finally getting that now with online play for the important ones like Turtles in Time, the arcade game, and Tournament Fighters. It's just a literal video game dream come true for me. I am beyond excited for that. All I need now is the release date. Hopefully it won't be too long because I imagine it can't be too much uh, longer to port those old games. So hopefully it'll be sometime in the summer, but I am ecstatic about that collection coming out. Yeah, I I already pre-ordered it. Nice. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the uh, the release date says... <laughs> December 31st, right? <laughs> yeah, 2022. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully it's before that date. And uh, yeah, it can't be that hard to port it over. And there's only so many times you can watch, you know, Let's Plays on YouTube of Turtles in Time. I know, you want to play it. You go crazy. <laughs> yeah, before you want to play it. And um, yeah, hopefully that comes out really, really soon. Because like you, Tim, I... I just want to play just one, one playthrough of Turtles in Time, and I'll be that that forty dollars will will have paid for itself. Exactly right. But that's such a deal, man. But, uh, the both versions to, because to, the arcade game features different bosses in some of the levels, and the Super Nintendo, while only two players, has an additional level and different bosses yeah. than the arcade one. So the fact that they're including both is just awesome. Yeah, and now that, but you get 13 games total, and yeah, I just, oh, Tim, it's going to be a long way for, this is going to be our new last Ronin. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> this this game, uh, and also the, the Shredder's Revenge, which was supposed to come out. I know. But they haven't heard anything about it. See, I'm I'm guessing this the Kawabunga collection will come out kind of like during the summer and then probably kind of lead the way towards Shredder's Revenge probably in the fall, like a holiday release type of thing, which I'm more than okay with because I will be totally satisfied yeah. playing all those original arcade games before Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, it's going to be a lot I might even get thing. multiple copies because, of course, I'll get it on Xbox, but then I kind of want one, a physical copy because I love the box art. And I might get yeah. it for the Switch because it would be kind of cool to have that on the go, <laughs> more portable version to take around to in certain instances. So, I uh, see. Did you put it on the PlayStation? Yeah, yeah, I got it on PlayStation. Yeah. Unless it's crossplay, I might have to get it on PlayStation too, just so we could play together. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say you got to get it on PlayStation now because I bought it on PlayStation. I should have got it on Xbox because I know you're an Xbox head. Xbox yeah. <laughs> Maniac. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's going to be a long wait. And Hopefully not too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm banking on summer. Hopefully I'm right about that. <laughs> yeah, so while you were uh, on 311, uh, on a 311 high, I was uh, I was on a turtle high, I guess you could say. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I finally uh, completed my my NECA um, Mirage Turtles line series. Oh, nice. I guess you could say. Yeah, I got the April figure and I got uh, the Shredder and the Foot Clan figures. So, yeah. Really cool, man. Your TMNT collection puts mine to shame. It really does. <laughs> so I got to up <laughs> my game on that. <laughs> well, 
I, I kind of shot myself in the foot because it's like I I bought the NECA Mirage Turtles and the April and the, the Shredder and Foot Clan, but I can't open any of them because they're too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of shot myself in the foot with that. I, I, I did, I did um, get caught up with the, uh, at least the major figures of the, I mean, I didn't get like Mutagen Man or <laughs> um, uh, you know anybody like that? But like I, I completed like the main figures of the Super Seven Ultimate Series. So um, I got all four turtles. I got April, and I got um, Splinter, Shredder. I got and uh, Casey. So nice. Yeah, caught up with that one. At least the the, the main figures. Yeah. <laughs> they get uh, Baxter. <laughs> Well, well, even if you Baxter, can't display him, it's still cool that you have him in your collection. <laughs> well, I mean, I I, I open the, the the Super Seven ones, which are which I'm looking at right now, but I uh, I'm not going to open the Mirage Turtles, but the Neca Mirage Turtles. <laughs> so yeah, that that that's that's what I did, Tim. I was just a loser nerd, <laughs> staying at home. Quite the opposite, Dave. Quite figures. the opposite in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, but anyway, sounds like we had both had really fun these past two weeks, <laughs> even though we didn't get to record the last two weeks. So, um, yeah, it's even more fun catching up and talking about all the stuff that we did the last two weeks. So maybe that's what yeah. makes us losers even more. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, at least you went to something cool, Tim. That's that's all I gotta say. <laughs> at least you went to something cool. Well, I stayed at home, read comics, and collected action figures. <laughs> the only way that could have been better is you went to, while well, I was at a 311 day concert, you were able to go to a Out of Their Shells concert reunion tour or something. <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't know about out of their, uh, coming out of their shells was I didn't know there was a follow-up tour after that. <laughs> they had to keep it going or try to milk it more somehow. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was called Down in Your Town, which is like, <laughs> it, it, would, it would go to different towns, I guess, I guess on a smaller scale. And I mean, I'm not sure what they would do because, of course, it wasn't recorded or anything. But, um, I'm surprised they just didn't go to local Pizza Hut. <laughs> like <small> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hate to get political on this show, Tim, but. That, that was capitalism at its absolute peak, <laughs> I gotta say. We're on the, the decline of capitalism right now. Uh, I, I hate to get political, but we are on the decline now after that peak of coming out of their shells. Right. And <laughs> How can it get town. any bigger than that? <laughs> uh, sponsored by Pizza Hut. Brought to you by, I don't know. Uh, brought to you by... Hasbro. <laughs> or Playmates. It'd probably be Playmates and Surge yeah. <laughs> <Surge> licensing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, we're on the decline of capitalism. And because that was the absolute peak of. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I was around to experience all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So, I guess with being caught up on all that, we can get into our. Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring commentary. I know it's been uh, a couple of episodes since we got to go back 
and do the commentary because I know when we did our review of the Batman, we just went straight to that because we just had to talk about that right away. But now it's time to get back into our Fellowship of the Ring commentary. So as always, if you want to grab your VHS copy, your Betamax tape, your laser disc, your HD DVD, your projector, your UMD for you so you can watch it on your PSP, <laughs> your Blockbuster membership card, your Netflix physical media disc, your DVHS copy, and of course, your converted VHS to DVD copy that you made on your PC. So if you have all that, uh, go ahead and stick it to the 24 minute mark because we're going to be going from minute 24 to 25. So, Dane, are you good to go? Yeah, but before we before we get into that, I, I, I got to ask you, Tim, how many UMDs do you think would, would have taken to fill up, I mean, to uh, <laughs> have the extended version of uh, Fellowship of the Ring on it? Uh, five, <laughs> if you want it to be a really good quality. <laughs> Not, I don't remember yeah. how much space those tiny discs held, but <laughs> I imagine not a lot. I mean, it obviously could fit one full movie on there. Like I said, I had Spider-Man 2 on there, but I don't remember how good it looked. <laughs> so, Yeah, well, what was the runtime on Spider-Man 2? <laughs> two hours? Ten minutes? Something yeah, like that. two hours. So, like, this is almost four, you know, give or take. So, two, I guess you could say. <laughs> two and a <laughs> half. At the very minimum, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 it's it's a shame that they didn't try to put this out in UMD. I know. <laughs> I will say, if they if Star Wars came out on UMD, I probably would have had those right now too. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> my collection. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, I I am ready. All right, three, two, one, play. We're about to embark on Bilbo's iconic feature. Still in this party scene. <laughs> like I said, it's the new uh, Bruce Wayne and John Blake talking in his uh, living room. <laughs> I always liked Bilbo's uh, speech to the crowd, kind of putting them down <laughs> in a little sense. <laughs> kind of know how they bothered him over the, ever since he returned back from the events of The Hobbit, I'm sure of. <laughs> what does he say exactly? It's like, He's like, I don't know half of you half as well as I should, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. <laughs> and the look on yeah. the Hobbit's face is like, what? Even Gandalf's work right there is like, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about, Bilbo. This is the the part of the party where you're like, oh, somebody got too drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you know, things are turning serious. Yeah. <laughs> And as expected, we didn't get to finish, finish Bilbo's speech in this one minute. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if it still continues on, on the next minute-by-minute minute commentary. Did you see that cake, though? Oh, it was a big cake. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they, I wonder if, like, the dar- diehard Lord of the Rings fans um, count the candles on that cake to make sure it's <laughs> 111. <laughs> I'm sure there's some that have. I just to make sure that Peter Jackson was paying enough detail to that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of movies, I also did rewatch uh, 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 Spider-Man: um, No Way Home. Uh, still a long wait for me on to get the yeah. 4K disc <laughs> for that one. <laughs> 
hate the release April, schedules for that. April twelfth. Yep. Oh, that's that's tough. Uh, it's it's crazy because I, I think the Batman's gonna be on HBO Max either that same weekend or the week after. So just the fact that I'm gonna have both to watch at home right away is just insane. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I I do have to say, it's it's such a great movie, uh, No Way Home. I I mean I know we already talked about it, but I I think they really did a good job with uh, No Way Home and uh, resetting the Spider-Man sort of uh, uh, storyline. Yeah, everything. like a status status quo. But I gotta say, Tim. So Peter was directly. Uh, not directly, indirectly at fault for May's death, right? Well, yeah, that's the whole <laughs> crux of of his growth as a character in this in this movie story. I mean, yeah, so so May is going to be the new uh, Uncle Ben. Yeah, I'm in this universe, obviously, that's yeah. what I think makes it so so great. As much as all the appearances of the old characters and toby and andrew garfield obviously that's what makes spider and no way home so special but the, th- the thrux of this story being the growth that this version of peter parker went through and just it's just your classic spider-man story and they did it so well in such a different way and just make it all work with all the great fan service that's what makes it so special in my book yeah um so yeah i'm dying to watch it again so <laughs> i can't wait for that 4k just to come out. also i gotta say tim the, they still haven't got the the Spider-Man swinging through the air slash jumping slash whatever acrobat stuff CGI stuff. Uh, they, they they still haven't got gotten it perfect yet. It still looks like a cartoon. You think so? <laughs> yeah, it still doesn't look re- realistic. Yeah, I, to me, I I didn't get that vibe when I watched it. You can obviously see that in the earlier Spider-Man movies when the effects are little outdated by today's standards but in this one i didn't have a problem with it at all but unless now i'm going to notice it because you mentioned it dane so you might have ruined it for <laughs> me <so. laughs> and how, i mean how creepy is willem defoe Dude, he was amazing he's just a creep yeah so glad he didn't have his face hide, hidden behind that helmet in this one <laughs> it's just the facial expressions he had as the goblin in his suit that looked more like the comic with the purple and green it was just he was free to go crazy with the character and he did it was so awesome to see yeah they they, they should have did the instead of like having no mask they should have did the um that animatronic one they tried to do, to do. yeah that's right <laughs> now don't say anything too much about it, Dan, because I'm looking forward to watching it when I get the disc. But the special features on it look really cool with Toby, Andrew, and Tom all together. Did you watch all those yet? Yeah, they are pretty cool, too. That's all I'll say. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm really, I was trying to stay away from all that because I know there's clips and stuff out there, but I'm like, I just want to see it once I get that 4K disc because it's going to be really such a treat to see all of them talk about <laughs> being Spider Man and working together. I just cannot wait for that. Yeah, it's weird. I, I thought this was just a COVID thing or a lockdown thing, but um, they, I, I'm pretty sure Sony put one of the features, the, the entire feature on YouTube. Really? I and mean, I know, I, yeah, I know that uh, 
you know, movie companies were starting to do that because like, I I saw yeah. like the making of the Dark Knight and stuff. Yeah, was, was well, that's like years later, later though, <laughs> when that came out. Yeah, but this was years later. But I know they have one full length feature, and it's only like, I mean, it's like less than ten minutes, I'd say. Um, really, like even the ones yeah. that you bought, it's like this documentary, like that long. Yeah, yeah, wow, they're not very long. Yeah, uh, like twenty minutes, I'd say. Um, but uh, yeah, there is one full length feature. Uh, special feature on uh youtube right now i think hmm. see i thought they would have like wait for the release of it on disc <laughs> at the very least yeah but i guess not yeah yeah i mean i i thought it was a lockdown thing where it's like the companies were just putting out the special features of the like old movies older movies on on youtube just for people to have something to watch but yeah, I guess this is a new trend, Tim. I guess so. More stuff to try to yeah. <laughs> avoid if you want to. If you're holding out for the physical copy, they're just making it more harder and harder for those to wait for the physical. They really are. They want everyone to go digital now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, speaking of fit, uh, special features that are on discs that got released early on <laughs> on uh, Rotten Tomatoes or whatever on YouTube. Uh, it leads us right into our, our feature topic. I guess you right? Say. Exactly. Yeah. How can it be anything else? But we got it. <laughs> that deleted scene we've heard Matt Reeves sees about for the Batman. Oh, sorry, Tim. Sorry. Uh, I, I was actually talking about uh, that one scene, that, that one special feature uh, deleted scene for How I Met Your Father. <laughs> I'm not even sorry. Sorry. I might have got mixed up. So that's why you were so excited to talk about this episode, yeah. not the <laughs> the Batman stuff. It was for how I met your father. Okay. Yeah. So 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 what were we talking about? What Batman thing? <laughs> well, let me. I don't know if you heard, Dave, but let me send you a link to a YouTube video about a certain deleted scene. <laughs> so then we'll come back and finish recording this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's. Uh, I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure it's just a throwaway Batman just. On a yeah. standing on a building or something. Not even, not even finished. It's like you could see like the sets, like the blue screen and all that <laughs> stuff. So. <laughs> really not worth watching. In fact, R- Robert Pattinson isn't even in it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a storyboard. <laughs> yeah, you see the Joker in there, but we see Batman talking. It's just a storyboard art. But <laughs> it just cuts back and forth between that. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. 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 <laughs> Such a, something much greater than that. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But before we go into that, Dane, real quick, um, I just want kind of want to revisit the Batman a little bit. Did you happen to see it again? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, I saw it on that Sunday after we did the uh, review episode. <laughs> Same with me. Yeah, I saw it that Sunday. Yeah. yeah and, I enjoyed it more. I, I mean, I, I already think this is you know second to uh, the Dark Knight. So. Uh, yeah, the, the, there wasn't much change in my opinion, uh, but I'm I'm really curious to see or to hear what uh, how you interpret the movie now. Did you, do you like it less now, or do you like it more? Do you like it the same? You know. Yeah. So after seeing it again, I definitely enjoyed it more than when I saw it the first time. And again, I want to stress that I did not hate it or did not like it on my first viewing i liked it a heck of a lot just 
didn't love it. Not from uh, what I heard, Tim. Not from this <laughs> I know, perspective. See, between with you and some other people on Twitter, it's like I had this reputation now. Like I didn't like it <laughs> when I first saw it. But I know it's more played towards a joking way, but still, it's kind of fun. <laughs> but ironic. No, that that's, I kid. That's my reputation I now kid, with that. It's like yeah. it'll forever be that. But no, yeah, it's it, it's like. It's a really great movie. Yeah, it's still it might not ever be on the level that I love it like The Dark Knight, and that's totally okay. Like I said on the episode, but man, it's just, it's great. It's it's hard not to recognize just what a great Batman movie it is, and just just really appreciating more of this intricate story that Matt Reeves is telling here, and just how he directed and just did certain scenes. Not just Matt Reeves, but everyone involved, the actors, and again the music. I mean, that opening sequence is one of the greatest opening sequence or introduction to batman there is i shouldn't say opening sequence because that's a riddler murder is what opens the movie but the introduction to batman it's just it's an all-time great just the build-up with the music the bat signal the dialogue i said it on a review episode how i liked really liked it but i like flat out love it now (laughs) to seeing it again it's just the perfect introduction to this version of batman and just um just really appreciating things more and um, I know one of the things I kind of had a nitpick about at the end was Batman coming to that real- realization that he's uh, needs to do away with him just being vengeance and being something more. See, that played out better than when I saw it the first time because um, it did, seeing it again, made me kind of, obviously I knew what they were doing before, but I just kind of felt like he was just totally abandoning, you know, being vengeance and that uh, being the course of what he sets out to do as Batman. But it was really more of just kind of being more than that, not totally abandoning being vengeance because of wanting to avenge the loss of his parents. But it's just realizing that's not all it has. It should be. It should be more. And then him kind of saying that and acknowledging that more as he's helping those people is really like such a beautiful moment for the character. And yeah. that's something that just gets talked about a lot. And I disagree more. And I, <laughs> I'm sorry for that sound. Like I said, disagree. It's something I, I agree more with people who keep talking about just how amazing that end sequence was with Batman, just helping those people and just getting them out. And then the music that plays over it, like that's where something in the way kicks in again. And it just goes so <laughs> beautifully with, that moment where Batman is coming to that realization where, yeah, he has to be more than just vengeance and what he can do for this city. It's is really is. It's beautifully shot. It's, it's the, like I said, the music, something in the way mixed in with Michael Giacchino's score there. It is a really great ending for the story that they were telling. So yeah, yeah. Uh, probably. Also, so I was going to, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say like the one thing I still wish they did more of was just exploring more with, the realization of Thomas Wayne and what he did and just Bruce kind of dealing with that where uh, his father wasn't always as good as uh, Bruce believed him to be in the reputation he had. And just, I just really wish they focused more or on that in the overall story. Cause to me, that's just such an interesting, fascinating thing to deal with for a longer course uh, of a movie. And you know how I keep talking about how I just eat up stories that have to do with Bruce dealing with his parents' death and just his parents in general, because obviously that's not the crux of why he is Batman. And I just love stories that deal with that. So I just wish there was more done with that, because I really think you could have went down some interesting roads and exploring Bruce more as a character that way. So that's still kind of just my biggest gripe with it. But um, overall, yeah, I just it's just really great. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you came around to. To realizing what they were trying to say 
I guess you could say at the end with, yeah. uh, you know, Bruce, you know, you can't always be all about the vengeance and stuff and can't always be, you know, this angry, brooding, vengeful person, you know, when it comes to stopping crime or, you know, if you have these romantic goals. So, yeah, I'm glad that you um, you came around to it and you finally see the light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got over my little hiccup with that moment because yeah, like it was great when I saw it the first time, but I had that hiccup with like, hey, should it be a ban- totally abandoning I am Vengeance? Because that is a part of Batman still, even when he does yeah. <laughs> do things for you know the greater good for the people of Gotham. But it, it did feel more like of an expansion rather than just ignoring yeah. that aspect of it now. So yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, I hate to say it and. Um, I hate to sound, you know, too woke or whatever, but um, be, because I have seen people criticize it for it, but it, it is political, right? It's a oh, political yeah. statement. It's, it's hard to not it's, you know, recognize that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you, you, it's it's a it's a criticism of our justice system. Like you, you know, you can't be vengeful. You know, like you can't look at somebody that's addicted to drugs and be like, you know, you're bad. So you're going to get locked up for the rest of your life or whatever, you know, maybe if you, if you help somebody, help somebody that's addicted to drugs or, you know, you you send them to therapy instead of locking them in a cage, you know, maybe it's, maybe you'll get a different result, you know? And, you know, it's, it's not always about vengeance and it is a political statement at the end that I know people criticize it for it, but I think it's, it's, you know, irrelevant, you know, it's a relevant topic and I think they executed it perfectly. Yeah. I agree. And yeah, there's lots of things where people like thinking like it's some new thing now, but like that, that's always been a part of Batman. <laughs> like, like I said, yeah. What's his catchphrase yeah. in the animated series? I am vengeance. <laughs> I mean, I am the knight. I am Batman. It's always right. been a part of him. So the fact that's, like, you know, be, like you said, people criticizing that, where they're criti- criticizing it more from a political standpoint, where my criticism was it was more from just Batman <laughs> as a character that I always known him to be. It's sure. my version of Batman that I like. So, but that's what again having all these different versions of iteration of Batman. Uh, that's what makes it great to have all these. You can do these different things, yet still having that the other aspects of the character that you like, just kind of doing it in different ways, which this movie did super, super well. So, yeah, so it was just great um, seeing it a second time and just having a better feeling for it overall, just what a truly great movie it is. But I think it just got even better the last few days <laughs> with that deleted scene that came out. Because, first of all, it was pretty cool surprise to get it because when Matt Reeves... Because he said the weekend the movie came out, like, this will come out at some point. I just figured, okay, it's going to be a special feature on the digital release and the 4K Blu-ray release. It's going to be part of the deleted scene collection. But the fact that it came out early, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dane, but was this kind of the big reveal from that Riddler website they had going on? Was this what it all led to? Or did you just put it out? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But um, I know, I want to see the DC... Twitter account was um, promoting that that website, so uh-huh. I can kind of see how like you can come to that conclusion. So, but but I'm not I'm not sure yet. Okay, yeah, it would but, be. But, but then why would they why would they give it specifically to Rotten Tomatoes? 
You know? So that's where it first premiered on? Okay, because I wasn't sure where yeah. like, at first. I just saw kind of Matt Reeves tweeting about it because he like sent two tweets about it. Because I think I thought one of them was towards that Riddler website because he like he I'm looking at his tweet right now. It said like riddle me this: the less of them you have, the more one is worth. Watch the Batman Arkham deleted scene, and that's just a link towards like the video on uh, Ven or uh, what is it Vimeo or that other <laughs> video oh, Vimeo, so, yeah. Vimeo, yeah. Uh, I thought yeah. he sent one with that Radit, whatever <laughs> website link, but maybe I'm just getting mixed yeah. up with something else. Yeah, and uh, I'm unsure if Rotten Tomatoes was the first one to have it. I mean, that that's the one that I saw retweeted the most. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, the, here he uh, is. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So Matt Reeves sent a tweet out says that who gets the last laugh, and it has the link to the ratsalata.com. So. Uh. See, maybe it does get revealed so, there. <laughs> so it was. Uh, I wonder what people have to do to like unlock that. You know? Yeah, I don't remember like, exactly what, but yeah, it was a good payoff, and that's what it was for. <laughs> so, I wonder if there's yeah. anything else on that site. I'm not sure, I don't think so, but if it is, yeah. it's a small comparison or small in scale compared to what that we got with that deleted scene. <laughs> that's for sure. sure. I remember seeing it that it came out while I was at work and I was like, I don't think I'm going to watch it right now because it's like five minutes. I'm not going to have the volume pretty loud on my lunch break. I just want to see it for the first time and just really get sunk into it and enjoy it. So I did see a few images, though, people were tweeting out. So I did get a quick look at the Joker before seeing the actual sequence. But of course, it's still kind of blurry images. That's a... (laughs) I think we should just start off by talking about the Joker. Yeah, himself. let's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he's so gross. I mean, yeah. He's uh, that that skin thing that he has and the facial <laughs> the facial scars. I guess you could say. I mean, growths. I guess you could say because it, it doesn't look like scars. It looks like there's been growth on his face. It's like a combination um, of both. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, like he has like some kind of skin thing going on and uh he has no fingernail like his fingernails fell off and he, he has like this this growth on his face and his hair is falling out and his teeth are all black yeah it's it's a disgusting joker and i think they got it really good because you know you can't do you can't do what's come before mm-hmm. and i think they really really nailed it with with the look, at least the look of the Joker, yeah, yeah, it's such a grotesque Joker. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> it's it looks unique, but I also got vibes to the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo Joker, where he cuts off the skin of his face, just because kind of how grotesque that was, and his hair was kind of falling out there too. But yeah, this kind of has a disgusting look all in its own, <laughs> really. And because I know Matt Reeves has said that he was kind of born with that disfigurement with the with the smile he's yeah. comparing because the inspiration he's going for it was ironically enough the inspiration for when joker was first created with the the man who laughs silent movie um i think it was conrad vetti was the actor's name but just having it where he was born with that where he's always smiling and that's kind of what he wants to go with this joker but it was so much more than that so i'm wondering what i thought of is because we know obviously him and batman have encountered each other previously so and it kind of his hair is green already, and it looks like he does have a little white on his skin, but not so much to where it's like permanently all white, like 
we know a classic Joker to be, and it's not paint like Heath Ledger's Joker. So it's like, did he actually get thrown into not a vat of chemicals, but like acid, and the acid really messed up his his skin? Like like we said, his his face is all scarred up, and his like has no fingernails. His hair is falling out. Is that a result to falling in or, or getting exposed to actual acid more so than chemicals, or it was kind of a combination between both? And was you that? See, all- I thought it was. I, I thought it was because like, um, of like, sort of like the skin disease, like the, um, like, uh, psoriasis, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you get that white, um, sort of skin, like that dead skin. Uh-huh. Um, I thought it was like more in that direction mm, where okay. like, this is a physical thing. Like he has some kind of skin disease and like the, instead of painting his face white, like Keith Ledger or, um, walking phoenix it's uh it's it's his skin it's his skin on his face you know because of the skin disease you know it's um flaky skin it could be the route that they go to go with it and i think it's going to be by the time we're all said and done and he is fully the joker kind of a mix of both where i think there is going to be some encounter with batman where he actually does be kind of come more of that joker we know because Matt Reeves has said, look, this is you know the proto Joker before he's actually the Joker we know about. They've had encounters in the past, but he's not fully the Joker yet. So maybe we're kind of still waiting for that moment where he does get the acid or whatever <laughs> put on him to make him fully white. But at the same time, if they don't decide to do that and it was something more that he was born with, that works too. But yet somehow, that I do like it though when Batman is involved with the Joker becoming the Joker. So. We'll see, because like I said, we do know they have had encounters. Batman locked him up in Arkham, so maybe the last encounter they had was a result for maybe some of the damage he has on his skin and appearance. But yeah, it's such a creepy look for the Joker. And I did like how it was shot, where we never really got a good look at his full face, but we saw just enough to know just how uh, disfigured he is. It's just what a creepy version of the Joker this is going to be, so... Yeah, it was kind of a cool mix of doing something different, but yet I still got a little vibe still like the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo one with just how grotesque that Joker was with with his face taped to his uh, skin that he cut off. So kind of a cool mix of both. It reminded me of the uh, that first shot that we got of uh, Heath Ledger as Joker. A little bit. Where it's like a set, it's it's like a set... um, set photo and Christopher Nolan is in the front of the picture and yeah. there's like a frosted glass. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see uh see Heath Ledger's Joker in the back of that glass. Yeah. Reminded me of that where you don't really get a good clear image of the Joker. I mean he, you see his his hand and it's all you know gross and cut up and you see his face and it's all I don't even know what to call it, Tim. Yeah. Disfigured. Yeah, it still it still feels like the Joker, though. That's what makes it so <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminded me, too, also of Lieber Mayho's, uh, that cover for the Joker graphic novel, uh, where it's just kind of a close-up of oh, like, yeah. his lips. And yeah. like, you don't even see his eyes or anything. It's like the bottom of his face. And that's kind of has that same look to, to it as well. This one looks more grotesque, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. I mean... <laughs> This one really creeped me out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm actually glad that this wasn't in the movie that they actually cut this from the movie mm. because this is so close to Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just just going off the, I mean, I I I don't know if this is what they intended, but that whole 
birthday cake scene in um was it man of steel i mean not, uh not man of steel uh, uh batman v superman uh with uh with clark and uh pa kent jonathan uh-huh. kent and he's like talking about his birthday cake yeah like mm. his and like the horse the horse is drowned and yeah we were eating birthday cake while the horse is drowned or something uh. <laughs> that that was a little too close to silence of the lambs where uh, clarice is talking about the lambs being slaughtered yeah you know so like i'm glad this wasn't in um and like this is totally the silence of the lambs scene where uh, clarice meets um hannibal lifter for the first time so I'm kind of glad this wasn't in the in the movie, but um, that's not to say that this wasn't a great clip, you know. This wasn't a great deleted scene, so um, but yeah, I'm glad that it wasn't in. Uh, see, in, I'm mixed. Uh, I'm mixed movie. because I could see why Matt Reeves decided to cut it because for two reasons, I think it does, like it does feel a little bit too like Batman's encounter with the Riddler in Arkham, where it's like you got kind of get two scenes like that in one movie. I could kind of see maybe where it might have felt a little repetitive. And then also, too, how it might take away from, like, the attention of, like, the Riddler as a villain because it's the Joker and, like, everyone might be talking about the Joker and might have left more of an impression. But at the same time, too, it is such a great scene. And I think it would work well in the movie as well, especially when you have the scene between Joker and Riddler at the end. I think it makes that sequence a lot better because we were talking about how that felt a little shoehorned in there. But... If this was included, it would not feel shoehorned in. It would make a total sense. This seeing this conversation Batman and Joker had, and then you close it out with Joker now talking to Riddler. It, it would just add so much more to that. So part of me wants it to be in the movie as well for that. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I know why it was cut. Yeah, probably was the right decision in the end. But I would love to see it included <laughs> now that it's out there. Just to see a, a version of this movie with that scene in it would be really cool. And I'm sure someone's going to do a fan edit out there somewhere. Once it becomes available, someone's going to do their own version of it where this will be inserted at some point during the movie. I think it might have been too too many other movie references, you know? Like how Riddler looks like the Zodiac Killer or what people, what the victims that survived say the Zodiac Killer mm. looked like or or. Uh. Which which was in the movie Zodiac, and I, th- I think this would have just been a little too mi- too much, you know, movie a little too on the nose movie <laughs> references. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's why they cut it. Yeah, but man, now just speaking about the dialogue and the performances here, Jesus, it was great. Um, hopefully, I don't screw up his name, Barry Cogan. <laughs> um, yeah, you. GM. Yeah, you yeah. set it up. When we were talking about it last episode, Dane, how <laughs> he like, don't worry, he'd be a great Joker, <laughs> and it was on display here, like, totally nothing how he was as Julian in the Eternals, and yeah. uh, for what I remember of him in Dunkirk, he didn't really have a lot of dialogue in Dunkirk, but um, so Eternals was kind of the only other thing I've seen in him, and just totally different character than that, and he's sold it off really good. I mean, it just made me really want to see more of him as the Joker, and. I'm all for a slow build towards Joker being the main villain in this in Matt Reeves' Batman series now. Because even if he's not the main villain in the sequel, but like he has a role in it more so, and then you save him for like to be the big 
ultimate threat Batman has to face as if Matt Reeves wants is only doing a trilogy and that's how he wants to end it with the Joker. I'm totally fine with that, but I cannot wait to see more of this dynamic between this version of Batman and the Joker because dang, they nailed it. I mean, this, it just felt like a classic Batman Joker dialogue scene that we're so used to seeing, whether it's the comics animated series or the interrogation scene between Batman and Joker in the dark Knight. It was just really great. They nailed the, the, the dynamic between those characters so early on in their kind of relationship to the way Joker uh, is kind of viewing this as a celebration of their anniversary and then kind of throwing it back at Batman, like wanting to talk about him and get into Batman's head. <laughs> Batman's trying to deflect it, saying this isn't about me, like, like stop doing this. And Joker is just kind of playing him here. It's all that was just fantastic. And just saying how um, like Batman and Riddler are kind of the same and you're, that the reason you're here is like you're scared because you might think what Riddler is doing is right <laughs> type of scenario. Just messing with Batman's yeah. head is just totally so chilling. Yeah, so, so chilling, Joker. That last too. line. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Especially that last line where he's like, "You're afraid that he's right." Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It's it's not only the how he looks; it's also the dialogue and how he says it. Um, mm. It's it's just. Uh, God. and the laugh too is good and yeah yeah i was i, I was thoroughly creeped out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this was just such a treat to get it just it made my excitement for the movie even more so to be honest it made me really want to see it again <laughs> i would like to try to see it a third time in the theater before it hits hbo max which isn't like less than a month away so um but yeah, it's just really cool. I just love the world Matt Reeves is creating for Batman here with all these the characters got introduced in the movie, now with the Joker. And this kind of leads me to a little bit of news that we've got since our last episode, since the movie came out. Um, even on our last episode, we were talking about how things are going to continue with the Gotham PD series. But now that's changed. It looks like that's been put on hold. And Matt Reeves has said that's kind of evolved now into an Arkham-type series, which is exciting too i i will be honest i am disappointed that that uh gcpd series on hold because i think could have done some cool stuff with that but if we're going to get an arkham series instead i mean i'm all for <laughs> getting a series about that too and now it just makes me wonder will that be an avenue where they will use the joker more until they fully have him be the main villain of a movie because that i mean he's in arkham we don't know when exactly the series will be taking place in unless they said it and I just missed it. I don't know if it's going to be before the events of the movie or after, but Joker could play a role in there too. And that'll be interesting to have him uh, be exposed or get to know the character better through that series as well. So that's definitely going to be interesting. And I, I'm wondering too, like, is it going to be a standard series where it's going to have your set of characters and like, it's almost like how much are they able to do in the setting of Arkham to sustain a full series. I don't know if it's going to be multiple seasons. Maybe it's a limited series. A part of me thinks too, it might be kind of cool if they do, if it's like an anthology series where you focus on different inmates, whether it's new characters created or classic Batman villains. And we kind of see their history in each episode and kind of see how they end up in Arkham or maybe certain episodes where you do focus on inmates in Arkham. And like, what if the Jokers, and I've heard people speculate about this too online, which would be kind of cool if like Joker is kind of like the narrator of the series type thing, telling, letting you know about all the different inmates in Arkham. So there's definitely some potential for a lot of cool stuff with this series. So um, looks like that's going to be the next thing to really be excited about in Matt Reeves' new Batman world that he's created here. 
Did you also see that Paul Dano is going to um, write a Riddler series? Yep, that was the other bit of news I wanted to talk about. <laughs> That's so cool also. I may I mean, actually just, read that. <laughs> yeah, just the fact it's cool. Hey, we're getting a prequel comic about the Riddler from the Batman. Awesome. Oh, wait, it's being written by the guy who actually played him so brilliantly. I mean, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, too. Yeah, I'll, I I might actually read a Batman comic, too. <laughs> I know it's been a while for you, Dane. So, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely going to be picking that up day one. So Yeah, so a lot of good things to look forward to. Yeah, I, like I said. I also, I, I also rewatched... Uh, uh, the Apes movies. Uh, I've been wanting uh, to watch that them. too. <laughs> oh, they're so good, especially the Matt Reeves ones. Yeah, uh, that's uh, second specifically one. the Matt Reeves ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and how was Andy Serkis not nominated for an Oscar? I it, know, right? Was it a thing where it was like, oh, but he it was an all digital character? I know that had to play a part in it. It had to. Yeah. It's a shame. And, like, we, yeah. Acted his butt off with that. It's like you, you felt the emotion every bit you would for just a normal performance that a human would give for a human character or something. It's just, it was all because he's not he's not saying he, he he doesn't have that much dialogue. Mm-hmm. He's all he's he's doing dialogue through his face, you know, his facial his facial expressions, you know. And I I am so surprised that most, if not all of the CGI still holds up today. Uh, it's it, it, it looks amazing in 4K. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that Matt Reeves is doing the Batman series. And uh, yeah, like if, if the Apes movies are what we have to look forward to, then I'm sure we're right for a great ride, Tim. Yeah, that's great. Like, I'm just so glad he's kind of like the man in charge of Batman now, because even just hearing and watching interviews with him and like, he just gets it. Like you just know he's a darn hard fan. I mean, nothing against Chris Nolan or Tim Burton, even they obviously read the comics, a few comics and they were fans of it, but you could just tell Matt Reeves is like more of a diehard fan of Batman and character in general. Cause he knows like the deep cut stuff too, <laughs> like from uh, other comic series and storylines as well that you wouldn't necessarily hear from like Chris Nolan or Tim Burton when they kind of refer to the main ones, Dark Knight, Killing Joke, and all that stuff. And again, I'm not trying to take away anything as far as them not being Batman fans. They obviously are. I just think Matt Reeves is kind of on another level when it comes to Batman fandom. And it's just really cool to have someone like that in charge of Batman. And another cool thing I kind of forget about, too, is he's involved with uh, Batman the Cape Crusader animated series with Bruce Tim and J.J. Abrams. And oh, it's that's right. so awesome that right. all those creative yeah. minds are involved with the show now actually seeing what matt reeves did with batman this adds my excitement to that series even more now too i totally forgot about that animated series thing i don't know how i forgot about that maybe it's because i'm a diehard fan like you are you go crazy for that especially <laughs> if bruce sam is involved yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i don't know another thing we have to look forward to I know I can't wait to get our first look and to see when that's coming out because that's that's going to be great. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff with Batman, whether it's in movies and television now with this different series we're going to get. It's just awesome. So, yeah, it's, the last few weeks since the Batman has come out, it's just been awesome. Uh, being having a new Batman movie out that 
you know, it's been so well received by so many people and just doing really well at the box office too. So it's like so good to have Batman back <laughs> in movie theaters and being successful and just looking forward to this new version and this whole world Matt Reeves has created just to be fleshed out more as the years go by. So yeah, it's been an awesome two weeks to be a Batman fan. That's for darn sure. <laughs> Even better for you because you get to see 311. Right. <laughs> I know. Like, it's been an awesome couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Just geeking out on certain stuff. Um, so yeah, you kind of mentioned the news items that we're going to get into, but it all ties into the Batman. So uh, just more great stuff to look forward to with that. And the one thing I'll just mention too, the other bit of news that happened since the Batman has come out, uh, Warner Brothers has again shuffled their movie releases. A couple of movies have gotten delayed. Aquaman's delayed till March. And t- big shocker here, the Flash movies. It's going to be even longer till we see that again. <laughs> we thought we were getting it this year, but nope. It's delayed to June 2023. That's a pretty big delay, which was disappointing because we're all coming off the high of the Batman and excited for the other DC movies coming out this year. They even showed that sizzle reel before the Batman in the movie theaters about the other movies coming out this year. So I hope they took that down now <laughs> for when you see the Batman again, uh, because we're not going to have flash or Aquaman this year, which is disappointing, especially for the flash. I really can't wait to see what they do with that. But um, so that was disappointing, but um, still a lot of other cool stuff to look forward to uh, between now and then when those movies come out. So, but um, yeah, I think that was the only bit of news um, left that I wanted to mention. So, before wrapping the episode up, though, kind of give a review of something totally different than Batman, but another thing I'm a fan of that I wanted to talk about, and that is um, going to do a quick review of the first episode of the Halo series that just premiered on Paramount Plus um, just a couple of days ago. And uh, I was obviously looking forward to watching it. I'm a big fan of the Halo series. I just finished playing Halo Infinite not too long ago. And I know the series is kind of, first of all, it's almost kind of like the Flash <laughs> movie where it's been a kind of production hell or limbo for so long where you kind of weren't going to believe it till you see it until <laughs> it was finally out. Because it's supposed to be a movie being developed by Peter Jackson back in the mid-2000s, and then it became a TV series. And it's like, it doesn't be in all these different states of production for so long. So the fact that it now is a TV series and it's here is just uh, kind of hard to believe in itself. <laughs> but... I know the trailer kind of got a mixed reception. I thought it looked really cool. I was surprised how good they pulled off. Like some of the Alien Covenant looked really cool. The Spartan armors looked cool. So I was I was definitely excited for it. But at the same time, the showrunners said this is going to be its own thing from the games. It's not going to be part of the main canon. It's going to be its own separate universe thing. And so I was prepared myself for it to be different. But um, I have to say at the end of the day, I had mixed reactions on this first episode. I didn't absolutely hate it, but I didn't love it either. Um, So first off, I'll just say the opening, like the first half of the episode is awesome. Like they really, I think, captured the look of the Spartans and Master Chief going up against the Covenant. Seeing that stuff in live action was really cool. And just kind of, it was hard to believe this. I was watching that, playing the games for over 20 years and you're seeing Spartans and their especially Master Chief in his iconic armor going up against the Covenant was really a sight to behold in live action. I know some people are saying the effects aren't that great or that they kind of had trouble with it, but yeah, are they as good as they could be if it was a movie? No. But at the same time, I thought it did its job done and it didn't take me out of it at all. I thought for the TV show, it was definitely 
kind of above average from what you'd see normally on TV. So I was happy with how they had the effects were for Spartans taking on Covenant on the Covenant aliens. So all that was awesome. Just a great action filled opening sequence. And they did something different where uh, I was kind of into at the beginning, but I'll say this at the end where it didn't end up going in a direction I was too happy with. So one thing that's played off different, like there's this split group of kind of like rebels or people on these planets that aren't um, happy with the UNSC military and government kind of uh, taking control of the galaxy and they're kind of fighting back. And they kind of mentioned how the Spartans were created to fight off against these like rebels, these rebel humans more than being created to fight off the Covenant. Um, which I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Not sure if that's the direction I'd go, but I'll see where how it plays out. But I did like how at the beginning you had these group of like rebels on this remote planet talking about how this, how deadly the Spartans are. They're just killing machines, and just like that's they're they have to fight it back against them, and then they get attacked by the alien covenant or the covenant alien forces. They invade their planet, and then the Spartans end up coming up to help them and save them, and just kind of getting that different perspective of like, okay, so you're not as bad as like the propaganda and rumors we were led to believe and you're actually helping us. So that was kind of a different cool perspective, a way to introduce the Spartans I thought worked well for it. But um, as I get towards the end, I'll say why I'm a little disappointed that that was the direction they went to <laughs> as well. So it started off as a cool way, I think, to introduce the Spartans. But here's the thing where I kind of felt disappointed with it. Um, I was hoping that the series would still be the focus of it would be Master Chief, Spartans, the UNSC fighting against the Covenant, the threat of this alien invasion against humanity and humanity has to fight back. But it seems like the thrust of this series isn't going to be about that. Yes, the Covenant is going to play a role, I'm sure a big role, but it's, to me, at least the impression I got off the, after the first episode that that will not be the focus because Master Chief, there's one survivor of that rebel camp on that planet. It's this uh, young teenage girl who survives and Master Chief decides to take back with him. And the UNSC government decides that they're going to have to, to kill her, to have her just be like uh, she didn't survive her wounds from the Covenant attack because it's this whole political thing about, you know, the this rebel group going against the UNSC and they just, you know, they don't want, uh, they want to gain sympathy, I guess, for the rebellion. So they kind of instruct Master Chief to kill her and he goes against orders and he ends up saving saving her. And then he ends up kind of going away from the, the government and the army and kind of becoming an enemy of them. And it's like, to me, it seems like Master Chief's antagonist, at least this early on, is going to be the UNSC, um, who he eventually does kind of go rogue against later on in the game, but I just in the game series, but I just felt it's way too early to be going down that route in the first episode of the series and kind of have the threat of the Covenant be in the background. And here's my other kind of gripe with the series. I really feel like they're trying to do their own thing of the Mandalorian. It's like you have this characters in the suit of armor, this awesome looking armor. He's supposed to be like a loner. He's just here to complete his missions, nothing else. Um, but then he meets this young character. I and mean, obviously she's not young as baby Yoda, but she's a young girl, like I said, kind of early teenagers. And he takes to her where he Wait, feels he whoa. has to. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. I got to interrupt you. Young, young as in 50 years old. <laughs> not that young, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like 
he co- he takes a taking to her in fact that he has to protect her and kind of become like that father father figure for her um because he's having he touches this object and he has this flashback of seeing this family and it gets revealed that he's actually seeing his past because when you're taken to the spartan program they erase your memories but now he's getting some of those memories back of, of his own family so it's i think kind of making him want to make sure that she's protected because she lost her family to the covenant and then he goes against uh, obviously his own organization the unsc to protect her and it's almost like the mandalorian rescuing baby yoda going against the bounty hunter guild those he was working with and he has to make his escape master chief does the same here um, he does have a few of uh, loyal spartans who are fighting for him and allow him to escape but it just really had mandalorian vibes to it and then the biggest change and thing that they're doing with it is master chief takes off his helmet and you see his face and that's the big thing with the halo series you never see master chief's face he takes off his helmet but you never see his face like the camera always pans away or there's something blocking your view to see what he looks like and one of my criticisms going into the series beforehand was like uh, how can they not get the original voice actor to do his voice because it's an iconic voice he's been doing it for 20 years and that's all you associate with master chief for playing all those games for so long so I was disappointed with that, but now I know why they did it because you have you're going to see the actor's face now, and he's obviously going to have a different voice from the one in the video games. And I don't know, I was just taken back. It was a little jarring to see actually Master Chief's face now. Um, and moving forward, it seems like it's going to be a thing where he's not going to have his helmet all the time, and it might be one of those things where it's like, oh, you got an actor, you got to see his face now for the majority of the time, and then only have the Spartan helmet when he's in action and just seeing that it's like i can understand if you build your way towards that like the mandalorian did and it's but it's like right off the get-go you're doing like changing one of the biggest things in the halo series it was like i don't know a little i felt it was too early and just just kind of a, a lot to get used to for i think being fans of the game so was it a huge fan of that and i just worry that it's going to be you know more of him without his helmet than with his helmet on just so you could have the actor show like his emotion and get try to establish more of that emotional bond between him and the young girls like that father daughter relationship but to me it just made me appreciate more what the mandalorian did because you got all that that emotion with din jarn behind the helmet for most of the season not seeing his face until that season one finale and then seeing it again at the last two episodes of season two and you never felt uh that you're not seeing or getting emotion from the character you got all that even behind the helmet and it just kind of feels like they're trying to do the mandalorian and eat their cake too like the type of thing because even here even the actors playing master chief saying we're able to take show master chief without his helmet we're able to do what the mandalorian cannot do because of a rule within the universe and like he actually name dropped the mandalorian it's like uh you could do it you just kind of i i don't know what the reasons are exactly but it just felt like they were trying to say hey like we're gonna do things like the mandalorian but our character is not going to be bound to having his helmet on and it's like when that character is already known for doing that for never taking his helmet off so it's just i don't know a mix of different things that really didn't make me love it like i wanted to and they're just going in different story directions that um i felt were diff- done differently because i really thought or would like it to be where it was just you know that classic halo story um them going up against an alien invasion and unveiling the secrets of the universe with the halo rings and uh 
the forerunners. So I'm sure they'll dive into the mythology and maybe they will build towards events that happen in the game. But for as of right now and what the story they're setting up for the first season being more of Master Chief on the run uh, with this girl that the government wants to kill and he has to kind of protect her now. It just felt very familiar to the Mandalorian to me and just not done in uh, the way that captured me, the way the story in the Mandalorian captured me, this story that they're doing for Halo so far hasn't grabbed me. So yeah, it was a kind of a tale of two cities type of thing <laughs> where I love what they did in the beginning, but by the time we got to the end of it, wasn't a big fan of what they're doing with the stories. So um, if I had to grade it, I'd probably give it probably just a three out of five. That's kind of being generous because like I said, that opening sequence was awesome. It was just so cool seeing all that stuff in live action. And I did think the production value was good with the effects and uh, how the Covenant looked and how the Spartans looked. All that was great. But the story just didn't go in a direction I was hoping it would. So I'm still going to continue to watch it. I'll see where the season goes. But right now, not as enthusiastic as I was going into the series. Does Master Chief not take off his helmet at all in the nope. game? Nope. Like uh, he does, but you never see it. Like, like I said, if the camera pans away or it fades out or something. <laughs> oh, I see. And, and uh, he uh, takes off his helmet. He was trying to gain the trust of that girl to show that uh, he, uh, no, he can't no, trust I, him. In the game. What do you mean, how he takes it off? Like, uh, he takes off his, his helmet in the game. Oh, okay. So, yeah. uh, I just remember, like, he was just on the ship by himself, like, just about to fly in space. Because I believe that was the ending in the first game where he, he just takes the helmet off because he's done fighting and the camera just pans away. I think there was another moment too, but I can't remember exactly which one where he does. Uh, I see. So, so that's like rule number one: don't take off your helmet if you're gonna play Master Chief. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. No, I, 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 I get it. Like it's, it's a big main character thing, and mm -hmm. I, because I, I thought people were just being like, oh, you know, the story isn't like game story, and. You know, that's a part like of that. it too yeah that's definitely no. there <laughs> which is weird because i remember when the reviews started coming out first started coming out for, for the tv series it was like new people won't really get it but diehard fans will really love it so oh, man, see, that, i think it's the really opposite weird. yeah <laughs> yeah because i know nothing about halo except it's a fun game to play uh, I think I played Halo 3 back when, like, that game first came out. Uh, but I haven't really played any other games, so I don't know. Like you said, I think it sounds like the opposite, where true fans or diehard fans don't really like it because he takes off his helmet and it's not like the, the video game story or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, me, it's like, I know Master. I know who Master Chief is. I know who uh, Cortana is. You know, yeah. And like, uh, yeah. It, it it seems like that's my in. I guess you could say. Yeah. So, like I said, I'd, I'd be curious for what someone like you would think of it. Kind of going into that, knowing that the story works for you more than it would for me, being more familiar with the games than you are. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You think you still check it out eventually? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I I plan to watch it today. But, uh, 
I don't know. It's it's like uh, it's it's one of those things. It's like, am I gonna enjoy this as a non fan of the game? Mm-hmm. You know, am I gonna enjoy this as like somebody that sort of knows about it? You know, in the sense of like the Covenant and Master Chief and Cortana and what have you. Am I gonna enjoy it? You know in the sense where like i'm not going to get the references or like oh what the unsc is and like all of their branches of government and stuff mm. you know they don't go into too much of that really i think for anyone <laughs> new coming they'll be able to follow the story just fine ah uh, okay let's see it's kind of unfortunate they're doing the the mandalorian thing it sounds like yeah that's uh, that's kind of my biggest gripe with it, to be honest. you're saying yeah yeah it's like uh i guess i guess I guess if you have a helmet, helmeted character, <laughs> you know, you, you got to give them somebody to, you know, uh, so, so somebody to bounce things off of, you know. So, that's that's the thing. That's what I. That's what Cortana is somebody. in the game. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that oh, was going to be his companion in this too. But now I'm going to. So Cortana, Cortana isn't in. Movie. She's I mean, not in this first episode, but she will be in the series. Yeah, they showed her in the trailer. Uh, so now it's gonna be interesting to see how they're gonna work her into it. Yeah, you see, I thought it was Master Chief and Cortana were like Batman and Robin, right? That, yeah, they really are in the games. <laughs> yeah, like she's pretty much his it best is. friend. Yeah, 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 I was about to say, like, it, it, isn't there like a big thing where like? Master Chief has to say goodbye to Cortana or yeah. Cortana does something bad or she... Yeah, she kind of goes bad and he has to kind of go after her or do what he can to yeah. make sure she doesn't do what she plans to do. Yeah, what what I've played of Halo Infinite, it seems like uh, I forget the name of the, the new character. Uh, it's like the computer or something. Yeah, uh-huh. and, she, and at the end, isn't she like... Uh, uh, like, oh, I should pick myself a name. Which name should I pick? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, like, yeah, their relationship is like the heart of the Halo series <laughs> and the story. So it was like, yeah, they're just going in a different direction. Again, it's like that big fan of it, especially like just because being familiar with the games, but then also just going down familiar territory, what we've seen with the Mandalorian. So we'll see how it all yeah. ends up, but the kid i have to say i'm a bit disappointed with the first episode Uh oh is this a tim hates it <laughs> oh here we this go again it's yeah, on the same level as the which batman is the right new, <laughs> which is the new last jedi <laughs> but i it's like i didn't get the feeling that i might like it more the more i see it i just i didn't get that feeling like i did with the batman because <laughs> even then when i first saw it it's like i have a feeling i probably will like it more once i just take it all in and see it again for the second time but didn't get that same vibe with halo oh, i see and doesn't the game i mean doesn't the universe take place in the far future oh yeah it's like 20 the 2200s i believe or maybe it's 21 so, so i forget <laughs> so why would they why would, why would they know about the Mandalorian? <laughs> you mean they're actually right? just going off the series? <laughs> oh no! 
I thought you said they they actually name dropped the Mandalorian. Oh no, I meant the actor who played Master Chief in an interview. He named oh, the Mandalorian. I see. Oh, I, I thought it was actually in the in the oh, TV no. show. It's like, <laughs> oh, see, I like the Mandalorian. I mean, you're like Baby Yoda or whatever. Oh man, imagine if they actually name dropped that. <laughs> that would have been what everyone would be talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, because when you first said that, I was like, wait, what? They, they dropped the Mandalorian. <laughs> Maybe I worded it wrong, but no, yeah, I meant to say the yeah. actor who played Master Chief said that in an interview. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Uh, well, I will, uh, I, I will watch it and uh, I will let you know how a non fan of the Halo series really likes it or really thinks about it. Yeah, I'll be really curious to hear, like like you said, going in as someone who hasn't played much of the game, is not too familiar with the story, see if it works better for you. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, because you said it was sort of like a ripoff of the first season of The Mandalorian, so. Yeah, that's, I think that's going to be like, oh, time. yeah, yeah. You might feel I mean, the same. be like, oh, this is this is just like the Mandalorian or whatever. Hmm. I don't we know. We'll see, Tim. We shall see. I, yes, I, I will be the, the the final decision on this. Yeah. Show. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be the end all be all when it comes yeah. to the consensus of the Halo series. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but with that, I think that's going to do it for this episode. It's kind of a jam-packed one with a lot of different topics, but yeah, nonetheless fun to talk about. So, as always, I'll throw it to you, Dane, for the outro. All right, uh, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com, session BatmanUniverse, Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse. Show's Twitter handle is at Batfans Podcast. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. I'll say it, Tim, because you're still on the 311 high. Uh, my Twitter handle is <laughs> at DaneSensBanana. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes, and you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. So with that, we say at the end of every single episode, Tim, what is it going to be? We love each and every one of you with all of our hearts that are still buzzing from 311 Day, catching up on TMNT comics, excited about <laughs> the Joker deleted scenes, and even our hearts that are disappointed with the Halo series. We're still <laughs> so thankful and love you all. <laughs> wow. That's your longest yet. That was a mouthful, but fitting with all the stuff we have to talk about. See you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>